0: Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is content warnings, specifically for the Bible. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon.
1: And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so the idea for this came up as we were taping last week. And you mentioned that sometimes you struggled with how to tackle certain stories and topics when you're doing a sermon because you don't know who might be in the church sitting there listening, mm-hmm. be it an age thing or whatever, that somebody might need a content warning or a trigger warning. Mm-hmm. This got me thinking about how, honestly, there is quite a bit in the Bible that really should come with some sort of a content warning. And how do you even go about approaching that when you are trying to figure out what you're gonna preach on?
0: That's a great question. And let's go ahead and address what a content warning is. Sure. Folks have heard of these as either a trigger warning or a content warning. And sometimes folks can be slightly disparaging about them. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, what do you need a trigger warning for? Well. These can be warnings for content or subjects that have the potential to be deeply emotionally disturbing. Mm -hmm. So something that you wouldn't talk about in casual conversation, something that you would not often just randomly have in a discussion on a Sunday morning, but topics that are sensitive, topics that bring up deep memories that can often bring up something that is rather traumatic or difficult, or might bring up something that you aren't anticipating dealing with on any given day. And so a content warning or a trigger warning is a respectful offer of letting people know when something is going to be talked about that they may or may not be prepared emotionally or mentally on a given day to be prepared to talk about. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people are using them in social media now, In order to warn folks of a topic before they begin to read a post, they can be given before a conversation is begun or a story is told. Yeah, I
1: will often hear them in front of a podcast.
0: Absolutely. And I appreciate them if I'm, say, listening to a radio topic And there will be a content warning for extreme violence being mentioned or the sound of a particular thing that is going to happen. I will absolutely change a channel if I am not in a place or a space where I have the capacity or the time to go through the emotions or to process what that will bring up for me Mm -hmm. in that moment or that time. Sometimes... We see that people will say, oh, you're being so sensitive to avoid those things. Let's go ahead and call it, you're being a snowflake. You're Mm -hmm. being so sensitive for this. Actually, people are being incredibly strong for knowing what it is that can cause a disruption and emotional dysregulation and for knowing ahead of time how to care for themselves and how to set boundaries around what they are and are not willing to encounter at any given time. And to be able to be articulate enough to know when something needs a content warning and to be respectful enough to offer that to people is again an incredible skill and a sign of respect and consent seeking so that people can choose how and when to encounter certain topics and how and when to encounter certain emotions within themselves. It enhances a culture of consent it enhances the opportunity for people to go deeper in their emotional encounter of subjects, and it enhances trust within a community. So content warnings, trigger warnings, these things are incredibly useful tools of respect and mutual community building.
1: Perhaps some people worry that it is a way to bury your head in the sand on a particular subject or get out of talking about certain things, which I don't believe is the intent behind them.
0: Correct. You have to self-regulate yourself on that. So if you are finding that you are always running away from something that gives you a content warning. So if you will always skip every single topic that gives you a content warning about a specific topic, Mm -hmm. for example... If you find that for every single thing that you see that gives a content warning about racism and you just skip right over that, then perhaps that gives you an opportunity to recognize that you are avoiding your work that you need to do around racism. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, if you are at work and you are aware that you cannot read about the death of a child, then a content warning about child loss saves you from being sideswiped into an emotional reaction that you do not have the capacity to be able to handle in that given moment. Mm -hmm. So for this podcast, let's give a content warning. Okay. As we discuss this, we may be discussing topics that would bring up specific emotions, content that is hard or surprising. I don't know exactly what we will give as examples, but because we are talking about content warnings and trigger warnings today, and we are talking about our scriptures, there are many various and sundry things within the scriptures that can be difficult to talk about. And we are going to be talking about some of those things today on this podcast. So walk into the rest of this podcast or open your ears into the rest of this podcast with the understanding that things may be mentioned here, not deep in depth that could be upsetting, but we will be mentioning various and sundry concepts and topics that could be a content that you would like to be aware that this will be mentioning many various sundry things this week.
1: Sounds good. Okay, so is this something that's often in the back of your mind when you're going through whatever the readings are for any given Sunday that you would have to prepare a sermon for?
0: Always. Always? For me, it always is. And I say that because I am tuned in to the history and the stories of the people that I am serving. Sure. And so I try to be cognizant and aware of where the difficult content is going to strike for the people who are in the pews that I am serving. That being said, there are always guests in our pews. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not going to know what I don't know. And not everyone has shared all of their stories with me. And so there are a million things that I don't know that I don't know. But I'm always thinking about what do I know about the people who are coming. And what do I know about where they are right now? What do I know about the things that are hard in the moment? What do I know about the information that we need to keep in mind about the journeys that they are on in this given time?
1: Are there certain stories that come up in the lectionary that you worry about routinely because of the three-year cycle?
0: Yes. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. The story on divorce (laughs) is really hard. And it's hard not only just as a divorced pastor. It's hard to preach Jesus saying divorced people shouldn't be divorced. Mm -hmm. But it's usually someone in the pews is either in the process of getting a divorce, Mm -hmm. is contemplating a divorce, or is newly divorced. Sure. So that is always a difficult and challenging text to preach. And as someone who has walked that path, it is always complex to find your way through that passage. So that's just one tiny little example, but you could say as much David and Bathsheba is an incredibly difficult text Mm -hmm. to be able to bring up. Mary and Martha, last week's gospel passage Mary and Martha has been used incredibly abusively for so many women, generationally, that you would be surprised at how many elder women find that text particularly triggering. And triggering in the sense that it brings up memories from their childhood or from their early years as an independent individual that are not good memories and that are really painful. And so the Mary and Martha text can be incredibly difficult for a lot of women. I don't think I've ever preached that text without having at least three to five women of the congregation talk to me afterwards. Wow. Every single church that I have served at.
1: I mean, it's not my favorite for exactly that reason. Let me put it to you this way. I would have assumed I was the only one who felt that way. Nope,
0: it is very common for women across a multitude of generations to find that text incredibly difficult.
1: That's fascinating. Are there certain texts that you just know that you won't preach on, even if they are read out in the church itself?
0: There are texts that I have chosen to never preach on, but then I, I will also try not to read them. Okay. Okay. So
1: you're not one who goes off lectionary easily.
0: No, I'm not. And I try not to edit the lectionary either. Mm -hmm. But there are some texts that if you read them aloud, you really need to address them. And some of them that if you read them aloud and don't address them, there's more damage done. Okay. Because then people can take them all sorts of ways. It's like if I read Mary and Martha in the room... And then I don't address it. Like if I were to just jump and do one of the other lessons this last week Mm -hmm. and ignore Mary and Martha, then all of the bad historical Mary and Martha stuff that all the people had heard over the years would have just come up for all of those people without having any addressing of it.
1: Sure. It would have been reinforced passively.
0: Passively. Exactly. Exactly. So, for example, the call of God to sacrifice Isaac, this situation where God tells Abraham, take this son that you have longed for for so long that you have been promised. This is the son that has been promised for a long time that we just heard. You know, Mary and Martha was the Greek scripture this week. And then the promise of Abraham and Sarah having a son was the Hebrew scripture of the week. Mm -hmm. Well, the son that they're promised is Isaac, Isaac. And he's so loved. And after a while, as Isaac grows up, God says, prove you love me, Abraham. Go kill your son as a sacrifice. And Abraham plans to do it and gets all the way to binding his son onto an altar in order to kill him.
1: I mean, again, like I said at the very beginning of this, there's a lot in the Bible that really should, in my opinion, come with some sort of a warning. And this is one of those where it's just shocking to read how far things get taken.
0: Yeah. When we think about this, outside of a story being told, and if we don't think about knowing the ending, that a ram comes along and Isaac is saved, if we don't know the ending and we just think of the fear of this child, Mm -hmm. right, it's bad. Mm -hmm. It's awful. And what I also know is the ways in which this passage has been used to abuse children for a very long time. And so I tend to not want to touch that passage at all, because I don't feel like I have enough depth and knowledge of how to unpack the tangled webs of theological abuse that it has been used for to be able to adequately address it.
1: Well, and even just thinking about being a child in church, which I was as a kid going to a Catholic church, this is just a wild thing to be read to on a random Sunday morning.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very hard. And again, if you have anyone who's come in on a random Sunday who has a historical background of attending a denomination, for example, this is a text that has sometimes been used at revival experiences. Mm -hmm. And in order to call people back into revival and in order to prove people's faithfulness and those kinds of situations, And if you have someone who ends up with those kind of memories, I don't have, at this point in my career still, much less when I was new at this, Mm -hmm. five, ten years ago, the theological wherewithal to be able to untangle those strands with someone, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. Maybe in another five, ten, fifteen years, I won't be as intimidated by the level of trauma. Mm Mm-hmm that is there. And I'll be ready to go ahead and, and sit in the presence of that. But there are just some things that deserve an eminent amount of respect. That is one of them.
1: Okay. The big elephant in the room for me at this point is Easter, which we've talked about many times in the past, Yep. especially having grown up Catholic. Mm-hmm. How much is this in the back of your mind when you go through planning what you're going to do every year for Lent and Easter?
0: Yeah, it's hard. It's in my mind quite a bit, especially as I learn more. I don't watch horror movies. Yeah, same. (laughs) I get nightmares really easily. Mm -hmm. I'll watch an action flick, but I don't watch movies that have a lot of realistic violence to them. They're not the kind of films that I want to watch. Mm -hmm. And so I am not going to be the kind of person who wants to sit down with you and detail you the kind of horror and travesty that Jesus experienced in his last hours. Not because I want to minimize the human experience of Christ through the passion, because I think it's important that we understand the pain that he went through. Well, that's the whole issue, right? To
1: try Mm -hmm. to figure out where that fine line is of understanding the whole point of the story is the death and what led up to it and what comes after it without it being a literal horror story playing out in front of your eyes. Right.
0: I think there is a way to give credence and credibility to understanding that Jesus is present within our pain and recognizes pain without traumatizing us in the process. I think there's a pathway to that. And I think there's also challenges within people's different definitions of atonement theories. This is where it gets difficult because different people have different understandings of how it is that Jesus makes us whole with God. Okay. And so if Jesus makes us whole with God because Jesus suffers for how bad we are, then we need to know that as bad as we are, Jesus suffered a lot. And so we focus on how much he suffered because of how bad we are.
1: Okay. So the amount of suffering is as important, if not more so than just the fact that there is a death in general. Right. Okay.
0: And so I think that there's some kind of depending upon your atonement theory. Mm -hmm. And because my atonement theories and because my concepts of atonement are not as reliant upon this idea of torture being necessary or incredible amounts of pain being necessary in order for God's love to be effective, I don't hang on the amount of torture that Jesus experienced.
1: Well, one would hypothesize potentially that that's part of being Lutheran, right? With the same reason that the Lutherans don't have a crucifix hanging in the church, they have the cross itself, correct?
0: That hangs more upon, no pun intended, Uh that we focus on the resurrection more than the pain of the crucifixion. Okay. And... And the promise of the resurrection more than the pain of the crucifixion. And the empty cross, Mm -hmm. the risen Lord. So it's theologically bound, right? Mm -hmm. So some of these things all get caught up in theology. And systematic theology is difficult to discuss sometimes and difficult to understand. But when it comes down to content warnings and what are we going to show and what are we not going to show as far as on Easter and those conversations, I think it's important that we discuss the reality of what happened. I think it's important that we discuss what we have the capacity as humans to do to other human beings. Mm -hmm. I think that's very important that we have that conversation. And I think it's very important that we have it in consensual ways and places. So I am not going to have a conversation to the depth of what are we capable of doing to other human beings that we were able to do to Jesus in a Sunday morning where people aren't able to say yes or no, I'm ready to have this conversation. Okay. I will have that depth of a conversation at a Bible study where we say, we are here to discuss the depths at which human beings when confronted with love and service and a willingness to be of service to one another, and to get rid of ownership, and to share things in common, and to break down hierarchies, the lengths at which we will destroy that human person who dares to try to turn our methods of ordering the world upside down. And if you are willing to have the conversation as to how we will not only kill that person, but we will utterly destroy them, then come and have that conversation because we don't just get rid of them in the world. We humiliate them mm-hmm. in every way we can. And that is what we do. And that is what our story tells us that we do. And what can we learn from God's reaction to that humiliation? But that's not a conversation to have in 12 minutes on a Sunday morning when everybody's excited about their ham in their
1: Yeah. And their pretty new dress. And and their pretty new dress,
0: uh right? That's just not where people are at, but it's a conversation to have just in a consensual environment.
1: It's utterly fascinating. And that's going to lead me to my last question. So you got the Old Testament and you got the New Testament both mm-hmm. of which have some pretty spicy stories in them. Which, mm-hmm. which do you think garners the stronger content warning?
0: I think they're equal. Yeah? I do. I think especially depending upon how it ends up getting used. Okay. I think the way in which we have used the content from each the Hebrew and the Greek scriptures, it's, it's a dead heat. I think that there's some ways in which... Some of the Greek scripture is more explicit okay, in what it says, but there's some pretty, there's some pretty gruesome stuff that happens in the Hebrew scripture too. Yeah, so it's a back and forth. And if you're someone with a really strong imagination and the ability to really let your mind run and really create story and that kind of a thing, then scriptures are filled with all kinds of stuff that can give you nightmares.
1: Yeah, they are.
0: You got to be careful.
1: It's fascinating. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about a biblical content warning. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic.
0: As do I. And if you are curious about any of this and you want to have some conversation more about content warnings, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.